0: Welcome back to another week's episode of not D. as always i'm your host jessica and we're brought to you by en world live which of course is part of en world the leading tabletop news and review site this week with me i have from gallant night games alan Barr. alan thanks so much for joining us
1: it's my pleasure thank you for having me
0: so this week, uh, I saw a really, I found a really cool little system recently. So my bad for not knowing about it beforehand. But I reached out to Alan to come on, and we're going to be talking about the Tiny D6 rule set. Um, so I love this little system. We're going to dig into it later, but I love the simplicity of it and just the fun and the way it's really great for getting uh, people into role playing games that you know maybe have been have been a bit intimidated by some crunchier rule sets. But before we dig into that, I do just want to say anything we're talking about on the podcast, we'll have links to in the show notes. And if you're watching us live, you can get involved, ask any questions, uh, preferably related to, to you know, related to role-playing game and what we're talking about. Um, But if you ask some questions, we can pop them on screen and answer them in the chat if you have any burning questions or I'm not answering, you know, asking the right ones to Alan. (laughs) A little bit rambly this week. I've just come back from the UK Games Expo, so I do apologize if if anything's incoherent. But... Before we get started, I will dig into, uh, ask questions about you, Alan, and your background sure. with games and his because we're going to be talking about Tiny D6, but there's lots of other games you've been involved with, so you have a bit of an extensive RPG kind of history. Um, just a, so, just a so little that, bit. Just a little bit. Let's, and I'm like behind you, I can see on the live stream, like hundreds of games and books and everything behind you there all piled up. So clearly you're somebody that plays a lot of games. When was the first role playing game that you played, or do you remember what it was?
1: It, yeah, I, I do remember what it was. It was mm-hmm. one of the third edition Dungeons and Dragons games.
0: So I don't remember
1: if it's 3.0 or 3.5. I do know the 3.5 book was the first one I bought. Oh,
0: okay. But I had
1: played before that. Um, and mm-hmm. we played at, I was a Boy Scout. We were at Scout Camp in the woods. And oh, of course. We needed something to do, and one of the scout leaders mm-hmm. had brought all his books. And so
0: Amazing. I
1: played a half elf druid using a <laughs> dire flail because I thought it looked so cool because I was you know, yeah. 11 and yeah, cool. uh, with a badger as my animal companion. And, Amazing. Yeah.
0: That sounds really cool. And I imagine doing that whilst you're camping probably adds to the atmosphere as well. So, <sighs> you know, just being out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and if you have a scary encounter with a monster at the age of 11, I imagine right. that's. Adds to the atmosphere of it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I never thought about that. But mm-hmm. I wonder if that was part of why it's hooks dug in so deeply to me was we were sort of in the perfect setting and sitting around a campfire,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all holding our character sheets on pieces of wood that we had grabbed because we didn't have boards oh, wow. or anything like we had to press them against something hard. So we were. You know.
0: Amazing. I was imagining it was in like a little cabin or something, but no, it was literally out around a fire, like like real adventurers, I guess.
1: Yeah, we uh when we did the Boy Scout camps, we did not stay in cabins. It was not allowed. It was tents. Oh, okay. And nothing else. So
0: Well, there we go. Sorry, I forgot how hardcore the scouts are, so that was that's was my bad there. I,
1: I'm um, not gonna pretend it was hardcore, just let's be clear. Like-
0: no, let's 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 play it up, yeah. And you actually had to fight a bear that came in, just like in the scenario. It was yeah,
1: and before we could do anything, we had to roll, and the bear waited for us. It was real convenient.
0: <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, great. So yeah, like sounds like you had a really atmospheric introduction to it. Where yeah. where did you go with role playing games? Because obviously, this has escalated into a massive hobby, and you know a lot of work and experiences you have. So so yeah. where did you go from playing from playing? You know, D and D third edition around a sure. campfire. So I
1: grew up in North Dakota, which is a pretty mm-hmm. rural uh, state for as far as the U.S. is concerned. Mm-hmm. I, our whole state population is under a million people. Um, okay. uh, the biggest city is about, at the time I grew up, was about uh, 50,000 people. So
0: As many as that, gosh.
1: I know. And we thought it was huge. Um, mm-hmm. The college I went to was bigger than the town I grew up in, in terms of population count. Amazing. So... Uh, and we were, so it was pretty rural. And the only place yeah. I could buy D and D books was a, a bookstore in the mall Walden books. Okay. They're a long set of chain that's gone out of business. Okay. And so I bought them, but nobody would play. Oh, uh, nice. it wasn't. And so I had all the books, at least the three core books and one or two of the supplements. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, one of my, my roommate at the time mm-hmm. asked if we could switch rooms when one of the new dorm members was coming in, because to quote, Apparently he's a nerd and plays this D&D game. And I was like, yes, I will absolutely switch. This sounds, he gave me 20 bucks for it. Sorry, Tom, I don't know if I ever told you that. Uh, <laughs> he gave me 20 bucks to room with Tom because Tom sounded like a nerd. And in my heart of hearts, I'm going, finally, a kindred soul.
0: Yeah, you're like, excellent. I am also a nerd that wants to play this weird D&D
1: yeah, game. I 20 bucks in college, so it was a lot of money.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and, so, and then we started playing and pretty much <laughs> happened. Some-
0: amazing so then you so you started playing you got addicted uh playing games in college how did that go from you being somebody that just played games and was a fan to being somebody that kind of creates games and does all the different things you do because obviously it's you know you do a whole range of different things like publishing as well as creating and podcasting and things yes yeah so how, how did that how did that all start
1: I started, uh, I had done some sort of like design contests back in the old days on the D&D forums. They used okay. to do these 3.x design contests for mm-hmm. the younger listeners. A forum is like Discord, but less fast. Um, yes. And so now that I'm getting older, I miss it. Like, let's come back to forums. They were slow. I could pace myself. Well, we myself. have
0: them all on Ian Wells. So, you know, the a nice are just, still alive. <laughs> I'm, just,
1: I'm just bad at forums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I would do these design contests, and I was terrible. Mm-hmm. I was so bad. Mm-hmm. I was so bad, but I kept entering to the point where somebody reached out and started coaching me because I think they realized he wasn't getting better. Oh, wow. Maybe we should give him some pointers. Oh, wow. And this was in high school because I just thought it was fun. I'd only read the book, so I wasn't ever able to play. So I was just writing stuff. Oh,
0: okay. Um, okay.
1: And I kind of kept up with that. I just participated. Uh, mm-hmm. Homebrewed local things. I worked at a game store for a bit, and I got pretty involved in mm-hmm. playing a lot of different RPGs there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a friend of mine, Howard Taylor, who uh, writes uh, the Schlock Mercenary webcomic, which ran for about 20 years every day, um, wanted to do a role-playing game. And I didn't have any experience, and he knew that other than I had you know, just kind of hobbyist around. Mm-hmm. And he asked me for a pitch, and he liked my pitch, and he hired me to write oh. the whole game. Amazing. Uh, and- yeah, lucky break. Sort of who you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just happened to draw his comic at the game comic book store I worked at, and we had become Amazing. friends and played games together.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they liked what I wrote, and it was a hit on Kickstarter back in 2016 at about 350k. Nice,
0: um,
1: which was back then was huge for Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It was the early days,
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, I took what I made from there and was like, I'm. I like this. I feel like I'm okay at this. I'm going to start a company, and I just ran with it. So.
0: Amazing. And, and now here you are today with a range of different systems under your belt and, and things you did. What were kind of all the games you've done? What have been the most difficult kind of design or what were the process that just took sure. a lot of tweaking and energy that you've done? Yeah.
1: So obviously Planet Mercenary was difficult in the sense that it was my first sort of professional mm-hmm. grade work and that I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. Right. So sure. going back, if I were to do it now, I imagine I would. Do a uh, lot
0: quicker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah be, yes. It would not take two, it would not take two years. Um,
0: that's a that's a lot less than a lot of other you know crowdfunding campaigns. Though, in fairness, well, that you was know, before like, we even
1: ran the Kickstarter, and then it took uh, like okay. two years afterwards. It was like a four year okay. project. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. I managed to get my first other game out before Planet Mercenary actually delivered. So, <laughs> okay,
0: well, uh, it's out there now, and everyone's very happy. So yes, that's why.
1: yes. I, oh yeah, and they knew we knew it was going to take longer, so nobody was complaining. Um, you know. I did a game with Osprey recently called Crescendo of Violence. Okay. It's a neon noir game that uses the elemental mechanics of jazz music composition as its baseline. Oh, wow. Or the rule set. Yeah. That was pretty challenging to write. It's sort of a gunfu, fu uh, John Woo-style meets oh. Blade Runner uh, so with jazz music as the basis.
0: Amazing. So I'm assuming you're a fan of jazz music as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, yes, yeah. I am. Quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I know I don't know a lot about jazz. I always feel when I speak to people that do, I feel very uncultured cuz I feel like <laughs> knowing and listening to jazz you're one of those like kind of it feels more highbrow than other music. I don't know why. Maybe that's a negative stereotype I've I've picked up. Yeah.
1: I am I, just, totally, I am not highbrow so you can rest easy.
0: Okay, good. Good. Good you're on my level. <laughs> um <laughs> but you know, awesome hearing about your background and kind of history in games. If you knew yeah. somebody that was like you know, they're passionate about games. They got some ideas for some projects and they were they were wanting to kind of do this as their job. What advice or kind of guidance would you give people? If you, if you can?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I generally have three different pieces of advice I always give out. And mm-hmm. the first one is play as many different games as you can. Yeah. Um, especially there are a lot of, especially nowadays, back when I was mm-hmm. starting, it was a little harder. But nowadays there are so many pay what you want, open source games. Yes. Like yeah. you should play as many different rule sets and systems as you can to learn what you like. Mm-hmm. Learn what works and doesn't work, um, mm-hmm. and learn what works for you and doesn't work for you, because those two things are often different. Yeah, something can be mechanically good and you not like it, mm-hmm. and it can be mechanically bad and you like it. And it's important to learn to tell the difference, because mm-hmm. when you're when you're talking about it and then trying to build into sort of maybe not a full career, but a hobby or a mm-hmm. side project, you want to you want to yeah. be as informed as possible.
0: Definitely, I think that's really good advice for just GMs as well. Even if you're not yeah. planning on publishing a game or creating it, like because I know there's definitely systems mechanics I put into my games, like clocks and countdowns go into so many of my games, even though they're not in those rule books, for example. But yeah, but um, I will move us on a little. Oh, sorry, Do you have three pieces of advice. Did you say? Oh, is that just the first uh, one?
1: The second one is you yes. just have to sit down and do the work. Uh, okay. You, the perfect game will never happen, and getting mm-hmm. something done and out there so you can iterate and improve is better than working on it forever. Yes. Don't don't sit on it thinking you'll make the perfect game, because it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. None of us can ever do it. Okay. Um, and it's already been done anyway, so we can all move on. Uh, okay. Bars, yes. So
0: The perfect game's been made?
1: Oh, yeah. Pendragon is by far the most perfect RPG ever designed.
0: Do you know, you are the second person that's ever said that to me. So I'm starting to agree That means, we're, that means we're
1: right. Yes. Are they also <laughs> a game designer? Yes. 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 It is a common, a common topic among my game design circles is that we... We were constantly going, oh, oh, Pendragon
0: it's the best. Okay. Well, I was wondering if you were going to say it's Tiny D6, but, you know, they, not, they, that I was wish. a mis- marketing opportunity right there.
1: It, Tiny uh, D6 <laughs> is pretty good, but I'm no Greg Stafford and I'm aware right. of that. So I'm happy to exist right below the best.
0: Amazing. So um, talking about, uh, you said there was another final third piece of advice you had. Yes. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, develop a thick skin.
0: These, All right. The RPG industry you is rubbish. not
1: kind. Yes. It, <laughs> can be very emotionally difficult and mentally taxing. So learning to establish what works for you to maintain your mental balance is really...
0: Amazing. We do have a question from somebody mm. uh, watching live. So they said, given you know that you've been played a number of systems you've played and published in, mm-hmm. uh, what system would you like to be a player in?
1: In one of mine? Does it have to be one of mine or can it be any?
0: I think they said any, given the number of systems you've played okay. and published in. So um, yeah.
1: I have only ever been a player in Pendragon once and we did not finish the campaign. Oh. So I would love to play Pendragon as a player. I've ran it over twenty something times, but
0: okay. I you would stuck, love to play it. You stuck being the Forever GM.
1: I'm the Forever GM when it comes to Pendragon.
0: Okay. Well, if you're watching or listening and you have a game of Pendragon you're running, you know who to contact now. So there we go. I can see if we can get you an invite to a game.
1: All right. There we go. So
0: we ha- we have been dancing around uh, Tiny D6 set. Maybe yes. we'll say the second ever most perfect role-playing game ever designed. We'll leave that uh, to you. For the
1: purposes of <laughs> this conversation, that works for me.
0: Sure. Let's say it really confidently for marketing. So <laughs> uh, do you want to give us like a, an overall summary Absolutely. of what is the Tiny D6? Uh, D6 sure. Set?
1: So Tiny D6 is a minimalist rules-light role-playing game designed to strip away what um in in my view as the publisher is most of the stuff you don't need to make a role-playing game Mm -hmm. it is as light work a chassis as i feel can be developed without uh going too low that you're missing key components while still being interesting to play
0: okay amazing So so how sorry yeah no please let you carry on i was just gonna say so what so what what are the basic rules of it then
1: so Tiny D6 operates off D6s, shockingly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you yeah. need no more than three. Mm-hmm. And the basic mechanic is you roll two six-sided dice, and if either dice results in a five or six, you have done the thing you wanted to do. Amazing. Something might give you advantage, you roll three, mm-hmm. and you still need one five or six. Something might give you disadvantage, you roll one, and you need a five or six. And that's Amazing. It.
0: That's the co- that's the basic cool things.
1: That's Every dice roll in the game operates on that.
0: Fantastic. So that... Even, even I can learn those rule sets, someone who chronically denominates the rules to anything that I play. So, uh, what what else is there to kind of the game? Like, because I know there's like kind of traits yep. or situations or tools that can kind of change those roles a little bit.
1: So, um, depending on the genre, you have a character package, and that can be like mm-hmm. a profession or an archetype or a heritage. Mm-hmm. And that generally gives you your starting hit points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also gives you one or two traits and traits are if you're familiar with fate they're kind of like aspects they are oh, the sure. things that tell you what you can and can't do okay right or and not even what you can't do but what you are good at and what you mm-hmm. maybe aren't as good at because some of these packages come with a drawback sometimes
0: so i could be like a decorated scientist as one of my Absolutely. my traits and then, then so if i'm doing something that's vaguely sciency i'd be like well i'm probably quite good at this sciency thing yes Unlike yes, in and real life, because I called it a sciencey thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I I wouldn't have known. You would have fooled me. I would have been like, that makes sense. Sciencey things.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. Write a paper on them. I don't wanna
0: Yeah, I uh, guess, I guess. But yeah, so then so that modifies it a little bit there, yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, and that would generally say either it gives you a new type of thing you can do, mm-hmm. as in like a mechanical apparatus, or it just tells you you have advantage on these kind of things. So athletic or strong can be a trait, or mm-hmm. Uh, mad Scientist Inventor could be a mm-hmm. trait. So unlike Fate, where these aspects are sort of narratively defined by the player or mm-hmm. the game, uh, v 6 presents codified traits.
0: Okay.
1: So there is a set list. But what it does okay. is it presents them in a way that hopefully they're easy enough to reverse engineer. So mm-hmm. if you want to create your own, you understand the basic kind of package or mechanic that goes underneath.
0: Fantastic. Um, and, like, combat in the system as well. So I'm imagining that's not going to be really crunchy and complicated, given given how, how you know, the, no. the, what we're talking about,
1: yeah? Yeah, most uh, combat is usually one roll. You just roll to hit, and if you hit, yeah. you do damage. Damage is generally static, just one or mm-hmm. two points of damage. Mm-hmm. It uh, There are defensive actions you can take. There's some tactical choices, like focusing, taking cover, evading, uh, things like that. But generally speaking, attack, hit, damage, move on.
0: Amazing. So it's nice and easy. What what drew you to want to, you know, kind of publish a, a system that's so sure. goes so simple and light? Because not all of your games are, are this kind of rules light, is I fair to say?
1: Right. <laughs> uh, so one is, as I've gotten older and no longer in college, I don't have an entire weekend to play 20 hours of role play.
0: What? dumb!
1: I know. Life is hard. <laughs> uh, I Part of it is just it's easy to prep. It's easy to play. It's easy to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh I think it was when we when we started doing Tiny D6 in 2015. Mm-hmm. So for for context, a mm-hmm. company called Smoking Salamander actually published the first Tiny Dungeon game.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And then we acquired the game completely after we did a mm-hmm. license supplement and then we've iterated on it and built what is now Tiny D6 from that.
0: Okay, great.
1: Um so I I don't want to claim like I'm the sole creator behind this. We definitely had a framework that we sort of iterated upon.
0: Sure, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> sure.
1: Ten, ten years in, I do feel like, you know, there's definitely more of my work in there now. Mm-hmm. And I can call it my own. But Yes. Uh, so, you know, it, when I played it for the first time, it just clicked. Mm-hmm. It was, we could, I you could put your character on a note card. My wife at the time, yeah. um, wife now, fiance at the time, mm-hmm. uh, had not played many RPGs. And okay. so it was really great for her to kind of like, she could look at the thing and know what she was good at. Mm-hmm. And everything else was just too nice. And we were done. Like, Amazing. Yeah, for onboarding her into the idea of an RPG and getting all the rules out of the way, so sort of that purest distillation could bubble to the surface.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: really makes them accessible. Yeah. to it, it, RPGs can feel really daunting.
0: Yes, uh, yeah.
1: there is all, especially some of these you know bigger books or these really mm-hmm. complex rule sets. You can pick them up, and while they are great games, they can feel overwhelming, especially to somebody who is not immersed. There's a lot of inside oh. junk. Jo- You know, jargon and lingo. Yeah. And my goal has always been to take that away and say, what is the most accessible game I can present to you today? Mm -hmm. While still having that foundational aspect that lets you carry over to RPGs, right? Because I could hand you a one page RPG that's about coin flipping. Sure. But it wouldn't translate to other games. My goal with Tiny D6 has always been this is a game you can play forever if you want. And I would love you to keep buying it. Don't let me stop you. But if you want to take what you've learned here and move into something else, as much as possible, I would like it to be applicable in the feel of the gameplay
0: sure and i think is it fair to say as well so the 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 mechanics are really accessible for people that haven't you know played role-playing games but the themes i think as well because i'll I'll let you talk about the range there. they are i think that's really welcoming for new players as well because it gives them a reference point for something they know like tiny living dead a lot of people have seen zombie films or so they're like oh i know i know what's happening here but yeah, so could you talk about the range there are? Because there's, there's a fair few books that, that there are yeah. in, the, in the system.
1: Yeah, so it's funny. Tiny uh, D6 is my giant hypocritical red flag in the sand because I'm always oh, yeah. telling people design the system to fit a singular genre vision. And here I am building my company on a uh, <laughs> on a, yeah. on a sort of generic system. Mm-hmm. Um so, these different genre books we have, like Tiny Dungeon, Tiny Cthulhu, what they do is they take that core Tiny, tiny D6 mechanic mm-hmm. and then they expand it outward by adding new rules that are genre specific. So, while the skeletal okay. framework remains, we might give it a different coat of paint. We might append, you know, a new mechanical apparatus. Like okay. Tiny Cthulhu introduces uh, inventions and in mad science, it, uh, pulp and investigation, and uh, corruption rules. Mm-hmm. right? Because that's, those belong in the Cthulhu genre. Sure. Whereas so, Tiny Gunslingers mm-hmm. presents shootout rules that can be used for any sort of one-on-one dual element because genre appropriate, right? Yeah. And so what we've done is we've tried to take this framework and then show how it can be moved across the various parts of the spectrum to fit mm-hmm. these different genres as we are presenting them. And, you know, to make, to, it, it's a homebrewers dream. That's something that comes up a lot in mm-hmm. our communities is people are like, it's so easy to homebrew and create exactly the experience I want. If I want to add more crunch, I can. If I want to run it just as is, I can. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of uh, tried to maintain sort of that guidepost as we go within, you know, the constraints of what has to be done to publish a book.
0: Sure. I mean, it sounds like you are doing the thing you say. It's not hypocritical because you are designing the game, you know, for the for the setting it's in. Because you tweak the system, even right. though the core is is as it is. You're kind of like, yeah, but you also need this for that. So, so in a way, I don't think it's that hypocritical because you are yeah. like flavoring it there.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> so, which one of these would you say is kind of your favorite to to run or or maybe make?
1: Um, so it's not up here, and uh, Tiny Supers is my absolute baby.
0: Okay, yeah, um, tell us about that.
1: I love superhero stories. I have since I was a kid. It, it's mm-hmm. the first book we did in full color. It's the first one that has a setting that is, like, canon. And it's my mm-hmm. superhero setting I wrote and oversaw.
0: Amazing. Uh,
1: like, it, for me, superheroes are the thing. And so Tiny Supers is a giant labor of love. I write. I don't normally write expansions to our genre books, and I've written, like, eight for Tiny Supers. Oh, wow. I just can't stop writing superhero stuff. Um, Fair enough. So, uh, and then other tiny uh tiny spies is probably tiny my other spies. favorite one because spies is also a genre that is about up there with superheroes for me so
0: okay great um we do have another question then uh, so yeah. someone has asked that they've noticed more and more games that focus on storytelling are using con- uh, you know concepts from filmmaking or TV um so you know when does think but when does thinking about your campaign as a TV show go wrong
1: asked. I like I like that question because I've Recently, the last couple of years, I've been really advocating for moving from a literary framework for discussing RPGs to a visual medium framework.
0: Okay. Because I think more
1: people are familiar with TV shows and movies now than they are with, you know, necessarily books and the literary Mm -hmm. structure that goes into a book. So presenting your story structure in RPGs as a video game or a movie or a film is going to be a lot easier to establish a broad communication. Yeah. I think this is a shift from when RPGs started And, you know, pulp novels were heavily read, right? So I think we've seen this audience shift. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a great question. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the difference is understanding you you lose the game when you forget that in an RPG, the author is also the audience. The players are the author, and they are also the audience consuming the media, right? Mm -hmm. You are not a director. You are sort of a facilitator you are a distributor bringing the experience to the audience who is also the author. And Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, campaigns that like to structure themselves like TV or movies, I think lose the line when they move into the, this is the director and we expect Mm -hmm. you to be actors. Right. And that's not the way it works. Uh, Mm -hmm. An author doesn't have to be an actor. They're the author. They get to define Mm -hmm. their story. Yeah. To me, that's the line that a lot of these elements seem to cross when you're presenting the the foundational film television structure
0: definitely i think it's really interesting as well because so many people are introduced to role-playing via actual plays mm-hmm. and that can and that's and doing an actual play does feel different from playing round a table with your friends because there is right. an element of performance like to somebody watching right. that's not in the game to make that interesting as well so i just thought that was interesting that's another kind of layer that it has to it as well yeah um I was telling somebody I was doing this interview um, earlier and I was like, oh, Tiny D6. And they're like, oh, Tiny D6. Does that mean it's like role-playing for tiny people, like children and stuff? And I was like, well, I don't think it's specifically designed for children, if I'm, if I'm right <laughs> in saying that. But I guess it could be a way that if you're a parent and you wanted to introduce your kids to role-playing, maybe it's simple enough that that would work. But I mean, what, what do you think? I, I Absolutely. You. There's a
1: lot of parents in our uh, Facebook group and mm-hmm. our Discord who run with their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and their kids run it for them. Oh, um, that's I've uh, cool. seen many posts of ten-year-old and up GMs running Tiny Dungeon for their family after watching something they liked.
0: They're Amazing.
1: great. We have a whole edition called the Hatchling Edition that is written to be focused on handing it to a child so they can sort of take it and go.
0: Oh amazing. What sort of things are in the rule book to to modify it uh, for it's that? It's functionally tiny
1: dungeon. We've just uh mm-hmm. we had a bunch of parents work on it. We changed the micro settings, we kind of revised the language to be mm-hmm. a little more less clinical maybe, mm-hmm. a little more uh communicative towards the uh the vocabulary of that audience.
0: Yeah, no, that makes huh. sense. Uh oh, I think I think that's always so interesting because like I say that cuz cuz role playing is a entertainment thing it's like really it's like the 70s and 80s it really started and kicked off so there's a whole bunch of people who it's like they started playing then and they've got kids now and it's you know we to bring up the younger generation on these games and stuff so that's really great to hear there's a whole kind of rule set and things like that um so i'm guessing some of the games aren't suitable for children though so what ones would you recommend just for the adults maybe
1: maybe i would avoid uh tiny living dead and tiny cthulhu Yeah. But again, if you're running with your family, you know your kids. You know yeah, mm-hmm. what they're up for. So I have I know kids who would love to play Tiny Living Dead. They think zombie stuff is great. So who knows?
0: Yeah, maybe oh yeah, that's very true. Maybe that is the case. Um, so if you had somebody that was um, like say, running a game, mm-hmm. um, it's great for new people that you're welcoming into the hobby, and it sounds like something you did with your wife as well. Which is good to hear getting more people in the hobby always. Uh, how would you recommend they approach teaching this game and and you know introducing role-playing as a concept sure. to them using tiny d6? I,
1: I think stressing the structure of traits is really important. And that mm-hmm. traits are sort of from a from a story standpoint, they are how people would describe you. They are strong, mm-hmm. they are yeah. smart, right? Mm-hmm. They are, you know, uh, they are clever, they are sort of these. And and they're more than just single word adjectives a lot, but they are sort of Mm -hmm. these broad brushstrokes that are designed to compass a variety of things. They aren't just just because you are strong does not mean you can only lift things straight up. You can Mm -hmm. push things. You can you know maybe climb or you can hold something. There's a lot of ways strong is a benefit, and so you know you would say Conan is strong, and there's a lot of ways you see that in the Conan Mm -hmm. movies and stories. So I think there is a uh, helping them understand that. Traits are not a hammer and everything's not a nail, but it's a whole toolbox for each okay. trait. And you should feel free to play it that way.
0: That's some great advice. I really like that. Um, so if people have been watching and they're interested in in picking up a copy or browsing through all the different options and settings there yeah. are, where's the best place for them to go?
1: drive through RPG, Gallant Night Game, has a majority of it. And mm-hmm. our web store, uh, shop.gallantnightgames.com also has most of the big book ones. A lot of the little PDFs are only on drive Through at the moment. 'Cause they were Patreon okay. rewards and we send those out through Drive.
0: Ah, tell me about the Patreon as well.
1: Oh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash gallant night games. Uh mm-hmm. it's been kind of hit or miss the last few months as we've been backlogged with the printer issues for some of our projects. But oh, sounds- uh, we tried to we do every week-ish, at least every week, we try to get out a tiny Thursday, which is a tiny d6 thing. Oh, wow. There's various levels that get you the upcoming we do a quarterly magazine called Tiny Zine.
0: Nice. Um,
1: that you can get and uh, there's also, you get access to a lot of non-Tiny86 games, works in progress, things like
0: that. Amazing. So it's a system that's being continually supported and there's new stuff coming out constantly, it sounds like. amazing. Okay, great. Well, I think I've come up running to the end of my questions for you. Unless Is there something super obvious I should have asked that I haven't?
1: Uh, no, but I will take this chance to tell you that... Uh, is Kaijun at GKG headquarters. So, our mech is a monster's tiny D6 game where you can be a Kaiju or a giant robot, is 50% off on RPG right now.
0: So. Okay, that's good to know. It's good, good to have that information. If you ever wanted to
1: roar at your friends as a Kaiju, now's the time. You can do it.
0: Okay, great. Uh, we have, I also, uh, if somebody didn't get the chance to have the question answered and they've been screaming at the screen at uh, me to not, you know, to ask it and I haven't, how can they get in touch with you to ask you uh, questions themselves?
1: Um, our Discord is the best way to do so. Um, okay. you, if you join our Discord, you get access to a special Patreon-only channel where I'm a lot more active and I answer questions directly. But I also answer okay. questions throughout the Discord as a whole. I'm very okay, active great. there. A okay, uh, Facebook I so. group also, yeah. but
0: cool, great. And I guess the link to that will be on the website there, so they can get into the Discord.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I hope so. I- I hope so. It <laughs> will be if it's not.
0: I'll check as soon as we're out here. Yeah, so. yeah. There we go. Okay, Fav. Uh So we'll put that in there so you can you can check that out and have the link of that. I do have one more yeah. question. Uh, sure. well, actually, I'm going to have two because someone's asked one and I think it's interesting. Um, so this one is kind of more industry related as well. Sure. Um, so it's bringing up the OGL controversy. Yeah. So for those. To give context to anyone that doesn't know, basically, the open gaming license is something that Wizards of the Coast, who own D&D, had a license for that third-party publishers and other people can basically make uh, books and products using that system without Wizards suing them. Is a really brief, abridged version of it. And then in January, they said, ah, we're going to take that away. And everyone went, how dare you? And they went, ah, psych, I guess we won't. There's my summary. How's that for a summary? Make sense?
1: That's pretty relevant, yeah.
0: Okay, good. So, uh, how do you think that OGL controversy will affect the RPG hobby? <sighs> With your publisher hat on, and I know that's so difficult to say because
1: no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I have two answers, and okay. I'm going to give, and I, the first answer, and the one is the way I wish it would affect the hobby, but mm-hmm. I have one where I think it will. So the way, okay. I, the way I wish it would affect the hobby mm-hmm. is that folks would see that there is more to RPGs than just D and D. And they okay, would branch out, right? And they would branch <laughs> yeah. out, and they mm-hmm. would, and they would make an effort to support smaller publishers because mm-hmm. the margins are razor thin. Is a very difficult yeah. industry. This is my full time mm-hmm. job, and mm-hmm. I don't make minimum wage when I put all the hours together. I work eighty hours a week to live like I work for.
0: Them. Amazing.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's real exciting. Amazing is not the word I was trying to use. <laughs> um, but so that is what I wish would happen. I I don't wish. D bad luck or failure but mm-hmm. i do wish that sort of the love would spread out a little bit i wish to see more streamers playing other games and building audiences and celebrating mm-hmm. other games things like that um what i think will happen is i think we've already seen the economic boom we're going to get from that okay i think everybody who is jumping ship has to been done jumping ship i think DD will be fine mm-hmm. unfortunately like and not I say unfortunately in the sense that the the boost the rest of us got from this misstep from wizards is over okay. everybody and their everybody and their pet hamsters roommate went out and made their own version of a license for their own games and yeah. now the community has just fragmented even further uh and so in some ways I think it was a boon I saw a great sales spike for two months so that was awesome like, yeah, I, I, every, I think
0: it. every indie publisher has had that yeah. though. Like January was great. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, it, and yeah. it tailed into February, which was wonderful. Um mm-hmm. but is over. And the amount. and I went to like my local hobby store and they don't have anything that's not DD on the shelf now. Like it's already gone. Uh so I think I think the consequences of the misstep are gone. Everybody has either left if they were going to leave mm-hmm. or they're going to stick it out because they just either don't know or don't care or that's not a priority for them in their assessment of how they partake in the hobby, which is fine. That's their choice to make. But, you know, I I do think cynically a little bit. Um, I would like Watsi to make this a quarterly event. That would be wonderful if they would do something like this every quarter for me. (laughs) So, Watsi, if you're hearing, let me know. i got a list I can send you. Um,
0: Uh, Amazing, amazing. Okay. Um, So, speaking of the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff, generally. Absolutely. Uh, So, if you go to gallantlightgames.com, you can pick up your copy of Tiny D6 there. Um, But to further promote other indie tabletop RPGs, um, Alan what uh, ones would you recommend other people uh, to try? And the rules are it can't be Dungeons and Dragons because the podcast is called Not D&D um, and it can't be a game that you've made because we've just spent a little bit of time talking about your games.
1: Sure. Um, I, well, first Pendragon, obviously.
0: I mean, yeah. well, yeah, we already have Pendragon. Right. Yeah. We've already
1: established Pendragon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I love so many different games and I play so many different games. This is just my reference library. I have a whole basement library that's got over 4,000 RPG books in it. Oh, wow. Yes, it's my cool. overrunning is my is my overriding passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so i I think I would love to see folks give games like man, that's really hard. Like, yeah, it you even warned me, and I'm still struggling a little. I did.
0: Bit. I warn everyone before they come on the show just so they can have a shortlist, mate, because everyone has oh. so many games, and uh, it's just choosing it. Yeah,
1: I I'm a so this is D and D adjacent, but I'm a big yeah. fan of Pathfinder Second Edition. I think they moved the needle in some really clever ways mechanically in that game. Mm -hmm. And I think even if big crunchy games, aren't your thing, it is worth, uh, it is worth looking at that. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of interest there. I think uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Black Oath Entertainment. They do some great percentile solo games that are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think solo role-playing is a really underappreciated part of the hobby.
0: Yeah. I'm just Uh, getting into it now. So I'm, I want to play a few and then do a do a little episode going through. Well, I will send you Instagram. some of ours.
1: We have a few, so.
0: I mean, yes, that sounds great.
1: Yes. Um. And <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Breathless by I believe it's Fari Games or Fairy Games. Okay. Um. They just ran a Kickstarter for Stone Burner, which was dwarves in space. Mm-hmm. And Breathless is a open license rules that we've used for some stuff. I'm a big fan of it. Oh, perfect! Great. Um. Yeah. So those are three I think off the top of my head that I really kind of. I love that. Would go to uh Perfect. and i just saw a new question pop up so,
0: oh did you uh, did you want to answer, answer it. it oh yeah. someone says hey does tiny d6 have community content
1: yes it does uh we Ooh. have the tiny trove on drive rpg and we're actually mm-hmm. undergoing a pretty massive revision on it in terms of the license we're loosening up a lot of stuff and we're cutting our cut back to only 10 percent. so you actually get to keep uh 60 of what you make and, uh, drive through takes for 30, we take 10 and we previously, we lost it when I was still pretty new at publishing and looking back, I'm like, ah, I was too restrictive. I wish I'd done it differently. You know, we, we kind of modeled it after how DMs Guild was doing their thing. Cause okay. that was the only template we had at the time. And sure, sure. looking at it now, I've realized, well, you know, I, I don't need to do it that way. I'm not going to do yeah. it that way. So, uh, the, hopefully that update will come out in the next month or so, but yes, oh, uh, we do have a community content program, uh, and. We love seeing stuff in there. I try to promote it every time I see it. It's pretty quiet. We're not a big, we're not, you know, even Chaosium, their community content program is hopping. I don't know mm-hmm. what they've done, but <laughs> there is always people posting stuff for their community content program. Um, so we're, we're nowhere near there, but mm-hmm. we, our community loves it and they consume it. Out,
0: so. Perfect. And, you know, if you want to make that community hop in, I guess you can get in there and make some content for it if you're watching. and listening. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Okay, great. Alan, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me and sharing your game. If you have any other new games, I'd love to have you back on to to share more stuff that you have. um, Well, now
1: I have your email and I release about one thing a month, so you're going to see me a lot.
0: Oh, amazing. Great. <laughs> there, there, there's my schedule sorted for the rest of the year. Just have a slot NP every month. Perfect. Uh, no, but thank you so much. And thank you for everyone who uh, watched or listened. As we said, all the links should be in the chat or in the show notes uh, for you to follow through there. And we'll be back next Monday with another indie creator to talk to you about their okay. game. Thanks very much for joining us. Bye.